0: Welcome to the C-Suite Marketing Perspectives Podcast. I'm Steve McDonald, your host. And today we've got an incredible conversation, an incredible guest. We're going to be talking about the true role of demand gen, how you create it and how far it extends and what you should be focusing on. And as our guest here today, we have Hunter Montgomery, and Hunter, you're the current CMO of Churn Zero. You're a two-time CMO. You've got 25 years of B2B marketing experience under your belt, uh, all kinds of global sales and marketing strategies that you've implemented. So hearing your point of view about demand generation, how, how it starts, right, how far it gets carried through, all the way through it, I think you're going to talk a lot today about customer marketing and the impact of revenue on the company and how important that is. But before we launch into all of that, why don't you explain maybe a little bit more about your background and what you're doing right now in Zero?
1: Sure. Yeah. Thanks, hey, Steve. Uh, pleasure to be here. Yeah, as, I, as you said, 25 years and kind of B2B marketing SaaS by the last um, 15 years. Um, she did a stint way back in the early 2000 when it was at ASP, you know, application service providers, pre, pre-SaaS. Um, so, yeah, I think it's it's been an interesting, uh, you know, last 20, 23 years in terms of marketing and kind of what you focus on a lot of things that were, you know, are old or new again. I think the whole idea of content and thought leadership and that kind of market has always been with us for, forever. It just sort of gets reprioritized or repackaged or repositioned. Uh, but ultimately it still is uh, the key to any good any good market organization that's job is to drive, you know, drive sales, drive revenue like a, a B2B SaaS company is versus maybe more of a sometimes just a brand organization or um, you know, somewhere you don't have that direct line from creating an opportunity to having a ideal close.
0: Well, did you kind of opened it up there and and talked about, you know, lots of people talk. You know, on content is the fuel that ignites the entire demand gen process, right? And so maybe talk a little bit about if you're thinking about content in general, right? That there's a lot that goes into that bucket, but there's thought leadership content, there's product marketing content, there's customer marketing content. How do you see those areas and their different roles and the importance of each and, and how that plays into the demand gen cycle?
1: Yeah. So I think thought leadership is sort of, it's your, it's your base. It's your foundation. Um, you, know, you can't start on the demand gen side by simply doing search engine marketing and email blast and try to get people to come and say, oh, I, I, I've never heard of this company, but it sounds like I need to, to see their product, right? You need to establish who you are as a brand, who you are in the industry, because people, a lot of cases are doing searches and looking for solutions and they simply aren't looking for a single tool, maybe you're looking for somebody who actually has validated that their process or their tool or their company, um, is an expert in it. And so that's really where that whole idea of the thought leadership and it's not, you know, it, it can be very broad thought leadership, right? You can have thought leadership at your executive level. Like you want your founder or your CEO to come across as being someone because they founded the company based on not because they wanted to make a lot of money, but because they had a problem. And then they found a problem, and they have a solution for it. So you start at that level down to just kind of your entire organization. From even the people in the, and you know we do a a lot of work with our customer success managers because they're the experts from our product. They use our product. They have customers that they interact with. So making them the expert too validates and brings in kind of this a level of thought leadership that the everyday user wants to understand and say, oh, that person does my job, and that person understand my issues, so I should listen to that person. And if not, because they're selling a product, they're selling a process. They are talking about issues that that they see every day. So, you know, that whole idea of building that foundation from your CEO all the way down to your frontline folks on showing that they know the issue, the problems, and they have solutions. And maybe not all the time, and maybe not the perfect ones, but, you know, kind of bring that authenticity to, to your content. Because that's that's what you want when people first interact with with your content.
0: Yeah, that that's the what you know. All the studies in the industry talks about is trusted advisors, right? That, that we have to have this role of that we're not just experts at our tech, right? But we're experts at what's going on in the industry. What are the problems? What are the trends? What are the unique insights and solutions that are happening? What's being tried now? Like there's there's a whole world there, right? And it's typically hard for any one company to really have a lock on that, right? And and really represent that. And, and that's why I think you and I, when we were right before we pressed the record button, we were talking about the stat that 70% of thought or B2B buyers think that the thought leadership that they read doesn't provide any value to them. So here we are, we know content, it gets us, you know, into conversations earlier in the in the purchase process, the buyer's process here. Yet, as an industry, we're not really good at creating thought leadership. Now, what's your, what's your take on that? Like, you know, UX obviously do a lot to, to produce very high quality thought leadership. But one of the things that we wanna do here is we got you know, peers of yours, CMOs throughout the community, people that are running marketing in their companies here, that are thinking, this is, this is a tough task, right? This isn't an easy thing to do. Yeah.
1: What would your advice be for them? So I think there's two, there's two, two routes to go and you, you should do them both. Right. First you find internal folks. And I know that you know, we hired a new writer and had not been in industry. And we basically leaned on her to talk a lot with our chief customer yeah. officer, who was also our chief product yeah. officer because she had the wealth of knowledge and it would be, look, spend an hour a week just basically interviewing her, talk to her. And for the first, I don't know, six months, nine months, a lot of the content that she wrote, we would send over to her CCO or her CPO and say, are we close? Are we doing well? Or we go to our customer sex managers who are doing this every day. Are we close? Are we doing it well? And then they would give us feedback. But she had to learn the, the industry. And it wasn't learning by reading outside. It was learning by talking to people inside. Now she'd also do real research. so. You'd have to get your own team up to speed. So your product team, your customer team says, okay, what they're publishing is right. It is correct. They, they are talking about it and that it's, it's hard, right? It's not easy because it's, you want to just kind of throw stuff out and with chat GPT now, right? You can say, give me a topic on this. Give me a blog post on this. And you're not even sure it's going to be right. So you're vetting those that kind of content internally is important and it's hard. And there are times when the CCO would say, I don't have time. I don't have time for you. I've got this. I've got that. Can you do it? You know, you all need to catch up to me. And she would get frustrated. I'm like, okay, we will catch up. We're caught up now, you know, a couple of years in, we have two great writers who are experts. They can create their own eBooks. You know, they still work with the, with the product team and the CS team, but it's more as a validation than a source content. The other side of it is you go outside, Like you find partners, there are lots of consultants, you know, other thought leaders outside of your company who, you know, in all honesty, want to get in front of your customers, right? Their jobs, a lot of times are consulting and helping your customers. They want to get in front of your customers. And so given the opportunity to create contact, because then you can say, well, look, this is not us talking about this topic, this is, you know, consult the ABC. And they're a known expert and you've seen them and they're on LinkedIn and they produce a lot of content. Um, we even took a one step further. We did a study, right? Studies are pretty common. Marketers can do that, right? So this is our fourth annual leadership study for our industry. And we had 1200 people replied to the survey last year, which is pretty amazing. And we locked in some good partners with it. We locked in HubSpot and, uh, and Saster, is a big uh, SaaS organization who wanted to be a partners with it because They saw this is really good thought leadership. It's not us talking. It's not even them talking. It's the industry talking, right? So, um, you know, can you build on that? When we started four years ago, we thought, oh, this will be pretty good. And I think we got 600 responses and that's a great response rate in terms of, uh, a survey. But four years later, you know, when you have HubSpot say we want to be part of this content, that, that goes a long way to help validate that you said for the authenticity of the content you're, you're, you're building out. I mean, what you have said all along,
0: there's really important. One of the things you just said at the end is that validation, right? And going outside of the company is so important because bottom line company is the seller, right? So we eat our own dog food, right? We're expected yep. to, you know, make recommendations. And when we do make recommendations and and they're important, and they're insightful, it goes up to here. But then when we can get validation from outside peers and industry experts, luminaries, all of a sudden it goes up to here, right? Because now we're speaking with the voice of the industry in our recommendations, right? Yeah. So yeah. having having a disaster or a HubSpot is just two great examples of that validation. But tell me a little bit because we need to, there's, you know, 95 to 97% of our our audience isn't in the market for what we're selling at any one point in time. And so what that means is that we have to constantly be in front of them, not with product marketing, right? Not customer marketing. These are our prospects. We need to be in front of them with thought leadership, right? What that means is this is a every week, every month, every year, constant cycle that we need to be producing good content. And, and good thought leadership content. And so that's where this kind of, you know, balance of quantity versus quality comes in. And and how do you think about that in, in kind of staying in front of your ICP on, you know, and, you know ICPs on a regular basis? Right, right.
1: Um, so I'm big on quality over quantity. Uh, I think I know about 10 years ago, the but uh, last company I was at, the CEO and I went to HubSpot and a half day for customers come in and it was 20 people, they talked about things and, you know, their blog, they're right there inbound. They're famous for their blog posts and right. they were doing two or three a day and they are hiring, you know, that that point they were trying to hire journalists because there was so all the journalists were getting laid off and my CEO turned me and said, we need that, we need to go hire a journalist, you know, figure out our industry and we need to, you know, produce blog posts every day, every other, you know, just let's get content, content, content. And that was because that was a HubSpot model, um, which of course, nobody really knew that HubSpot had a very, very large outbound sales team that made calls. But, you know, the story was it was all inbound. Um, and, you know, we looked at, we hired a, a, a writer and then we, we acquired a company and they had a really, really popular blog. And it got up to more than ours. They were a much smaller company than us. They were a competitor. And... And the CEO said, let's look at their blog. They get a lot of traffic. And then we look at the people that came in who wanted to talk about the product or take a demo or do something like that. There are no qualified leads. I mean, it was great content, but it didn't bring anybody in. And so maybe it wasn't great content, right? That's the whole thing. You've got to match. What is great content? I mean, it has to be useful and helpful and get eyeballs and consumption, but it has to lead to them wanting to talk to you more and talk about your product, right? So don't have to mention your product, any part of your thought leadership content, but at some point they want to say, gee, okay, I just read this piece. That's the problem I have. Someone can help me solve it. It's this company. I may at least talk to them. Let me go talk to the tailsperser or somebody like that. But if you don't get that last part, all that activity means, means nothing. So that's where it's the quality, right? You got to hit the right pain points at the right stage. And it can't be dated or it can't be too thin, right? You know, everybody wants to do the top 10, this top 10, that, which are great. Like they get great SEO, they can be helpful, but if that's all the content you do, you're just sort of, you know, an inch deep and a mile wide and you're not getting that, the engagement that you want or the trust or authenticity, uh, that you want to get with your, with your audience, be it customers or prospects or people just kind of ticking tires. Yeah. And that, that that
0: blog an example, that, that content can be driving a lot of traffic, but if it's not even, and it could be even high quality, but if that traffic isn't the traffic you want, right. Or if it isn't the traffic that's converting, right. Then like you're saying, you're spending a lot of time and a lot of effort. Right. So that's a good way to kind of segue into, okay, this is all about demand gen, the right demand gen. Right. So how do you take this through? In fact, you were just um, talking about customer marketing, right? And customer marketing is not not only just targeted towards customers, but it represents the customer too. It represents the peer community of the prospects that you're, you're reaching out to. Tell me a little bit about your customer marketing. How do you think about it, the role, what your focus is, maybe what you're doing at churn zero right now that might be helpful to the rest of us.
1: Yeah, so, so when I first started TrendZero, so it's been about four years. Um, yeah, we have, so we're a customer success platform full disclosure, and our CS organization, because of the platform, had a very efficient way to communicate with our customers. So I sort of laid off. I said, hey, "You guys have it. It's great. It's working well." We did a newsletter to kind of give them the air cover, but. They had the conversation, they knew when customers weren't doing well or what they were doing or not doing in features. And so it was a CS team that did a lot of the discussion. And about a year ago, our CCO and I were talking like, we need, we need to have a different conversation with customers that, you know, has trackable outcomes. So what we did is we hired a, one of our CSMs, one of our best CSMs. She wanted to move into marketing. She came over, we gave her customer marketing as, as a role. And we started kind of treating her like we do with our demand gen team. Like you need to produce, we want to produce content. And and also, as you mentioned earlier, almost all of our content could be consumed by customers. Like we didn't didn't say, this is prospect content and oh, let's create some customer content. Like when we talk about how to best do a QBR or how to engage with your customers or not using your product, like all that content could be used by, consumed by customers or prospects. So we kind of had that content side, uh, cover, but now when you need to figure out how do we engage those customers because you want them to do things, you want them to renew, right? So you want them to adopt your product and the CS team does a lot of things, but there's things that the marketing team can do to help them with features the importance and the impact of these, of these features. And then you also want to look for opportunities for, you know, upselling, if that's going to be a new, an additional product or moving from one version of your, your platform to another one. And so we started to build campaigns that have very similar trigger points to demand jet. They're going to convert. They're going to ask to talk to somebody. Now it's not the same. They're not filling out a demo forum and saying, I want to see a demo. They're saying, hey, CSM, I'd love to learn more about this product. And so we were able to come and try to track that. And I think this, this last quarter, the CCO put a number on this customer marketing for upsell. Like just to influence, like, well, let's, we're going to take baby steps. We just want to say, we did these things and customers engage with our content and then bought that product, upsold that product. And she, she set a goal and we doubled it. Now we didn't know what the, we had to just, we had to pick pick a number. So we picked a number, but just being able to track that and see that, uh, was impactful, um, because yeah, we're talking about the whole idea of content marketing, this is not collateral sheets, this is not, you know, it's, it's not features of functionality. You're trying to convince the customers that what they're going to do, if they're going to upsell or renew, is going to have an impact on them. And so it's very similar to the beginning when you have a prospect that comes in, it's like, I'm not quite sure about this company, but wow, they've got really good content. So I think I kind of started to trust them and now their customers, same thing. Hey, I've been getting some communications from, from the customer, you know, from this other organization within the company. I think I believe, you know, what they're saying makes sense. So I'm going to ask more questions. I want to learn more. It's not a, hey, if you buy before the end of the month, you'll get 20% discount. So bomb, right? That's not, that's not what customer marketing should ever be. And that's not, you know, or, or even customer success should ever be. So that's kind of where we've been doing on. I think it's kind of where I think we're ahead. I think there's a huge opportunity for marketing art departments who want to own customer marketing because it's, it's, there's a lot of data out there on customers, and there's a lot of things you can do to, to gain their their trust and, and push them along the way. Well,
0: you know, Hunter, I mean, you and I have been around for a number of decades. And so we always heard, right, that, you know, it's much easier to increase revenue from existing customers than conquest new customers, right? So, and, you know, I had a, a CEO on a few uh, months back, and he was talking about the studies that they had done. Um, at the company he was at and how much balance there needed to be. If it's, the goal is revenue generation, then we shouldn't just be thinking about new logos, right? A significant portion of increased revenues needs to be coming from our existing customer base. And so that's what you're talking about here. And I love thinking about it in the same way at the top of the demand gen funnel with prospects, I was like, you're fitting them not product feature, you're, you're feeding them content that makes them think that makes them think, Hey, that's a, that's a good idea. I should explore this some more. And you're doing that with your customers as well. And you picked a number and you said you doubled it. I'm sure you didn't (laughs) pick a number that was like so easy. Everybody's like, yeah, you know, we're going to make this no, no big deal. Right. Right. So Tell me a little bit more about this. And you were just recently, or your um, customer marketing person was just recently at um, a conference. What's the current thinking that's going on in terms of around customer marketing and what we should be knowing?
1: Yeah, I think so. There's one thing that came out I had a conversation with some other uh, marketing executives recently, too. And that is, I don't know how much customer success teams trust marketing yet right? Because to them, marketing is kind of creating the collateral and the lack of a better term fluff, which they don't, they don't understand a content marketing like we do. So it's gaining that trust that we can get in front of the customers. Like it's back to trust, right? W- that we can get in front of customers, give them valuable content, give them information that helps them do their job better, which helps the CS team manage their customers better, right? So there's a little bit of that that trust, and then the idea of um, even giving from there, letting us then communicate. We um, we use our own platform, right? So it's a CSP. You can use HubSpot. You can use other ones. As long as you have that data about your customers, you can then have those interactions. Have those. It's not a blast. It's a more of a. Yeah, it's like it's like our demand gen. they have personas. You have use cases. You have needs, right? And so you talk to your prospect based on that, the same thing you talk to your customers based on that. So, um, so she was at this conference and, it, it, you know, a lot of people came up to her and said, I can't believe that your CS team lets you talk to the customers. I, I can't believe you have access to that. I don't even have access to our, our CSP because the, the CS team won't let me. Um, so I think that's the first hurdle, like you have to get the CS team to say, okay. We will talk to customers about this. We've kind of got the day-to-day interaction. You all can kind of come on top with information, content, right? The, the trusted advisor, the thought leadership content. Don't, don't send them promotions. Don't send them just sort of fluffy marketing stuff. Talk to them like you're a CS person, except you have some additional information for them. So. I mean, I think that's the first one is, is getting people to understand that the whole idea of treating it like a demand gen team, I think you're even two steps uh, past that, but I think it's there. And I think because of the data that we have on customers, I mean, demand gen marketers, we love to know, you know, what's your title and what's your job and what's your industry and and what have you done on our website? That's great. On customer side, you know what product they use, what product they don't use, what feature they use, what feature they don't use, what, don't use, what the renewal is. You know, are they the primary owner? Are they the end user? So that amount of information makes us so much more targeted in our content and in our discussions. You know, what's was kind of a little crazy
0: about this, right? So like Gardner even wrote recently about how CMOs should be more like, you know, chief customer officers, right? And we all know the highest voice of authority in a company is the customer, right? So Representing as CMOS, we should be representing the customer, right? We should at at the strategy table, from the highest levels down. You know, we should be there helping to represent the customer. So the idea that customer success and and marketing and there's a little bit of distrust that's happening there, that silo has to be broken, right? Yeah. And you know, I was talking to another uh, gentleman, and he's a three-time B2B CMO, SaaS CMO, and And he's like, you know, Steve, I I have to tell you, I feel a little bit untethered from the customer right now. I haven't had a conversation with a customer in the last three weeks. And he says, but our team, we need to, we're all in front of the customer. We always have to be in front of the customer. And so that alignment is so important. But we're also supposed to be data-driven. And I love it. We've got this whole other data chest, right, of how they're using the product, right? And that tells us so much more about, you know, upsell and cross-sell is like, look, they're not even using this whole portion of what we're doing, right? Or what we have. They don't even know about it, maybe. Right. It's such a fertile area. Um, so, I mean, what I want to do is I want to talk a little bit about, are the, do the metrics change, the tracking, you know, where in terms of being data-driven, it's really thought leadership for customers, Right. But do you track it differently? Do you report differently?
1: How do you think about that? You know, at the very top, we try to report the same way. And that is, have we done things that are driving new revenue, new booking, right? So how we get there is different on the customer side because, as I mentioned before, it's a subtle engagement. Like we have, let's just say we have XYZ product we're trying to out. We put an in app message to customers that don't have it learn more, click on this, like that click is one indication that they were interested, right? But it's just a click in, in the demand gen side, that would be a visit to the website or maybe download or uh, ebook, right? Um,
0: like an MQ, right? Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. And, and so a lot of that is we have to sort of do, it's sort of the influenced tracking, right? On the demand gen side. Well, they consume these things, but we don't have that direct line from filled out a form Close the deal, right like we can say that, okay, that generated that. it's now influence what do they do? if these people all interacted with the content that said learn more about this feature and then they bought that feature, we're gonna say, you know what I think we had an impact on that and like I said, if it is it's version i of tracking this, it's sort of like probably we were fifteen years ago on the demand gen side um but again the ultimate goal the ultimate metric is bookings? Did, did they do that? And, and, and even the CCO, she's like, I'm, th- I'm fine with this influence because we can start building up what are the benchmarks and can we get it tighter? Can we give a little bit more metrics that are a little tighter on that and not simply click on an in-app message or reply to an email? I mean, the biggest one is call me, right? Hey, I have this new feature. I'd love to explain how it can really help your XYZ. Send me a note. I'd love to have a call with you. And if you can track that to the CSM, right, is to right. their CSM, now that, that is almost like a demo request form in, in our world. Uh, but that, that's what we're trying to track and, and get that. So just in terms of your,
0: your thinking and strategy as, you know, we're, we're all planning right now for 2024 and what we're going to be doing, the balance of traditional demand gen versus customer marketing, just in terms of the effort and the resources you're going to put towards it, how are you thinking about that?
1: I think mean, it's still gonna the demand gen side is still gonna take most of the effort and time. I mean, we have a we're a team of of eleven. We have one person on customer marketing. Now, she's probably the, worth two or three people in the amount of work she does and the expertise she brings. You know, that's one of the advice I would give if anybody hires a customer marketing person. I'll hire that from your CS team because they already get the they already have that connection, that validation that they know customers and the team and the product. Um, but, and at least before a lot of the content can use on both sides. Like when we started a customer newsletter, 75% of the content was in our just general newsletter to everybody because the topics were the same. They related to everybody else. Um, but so that's kind of where we see. And the other thing is, is I think, you know, we. We, we are more efficient in our customer marketing, as I mentioned before, because we know so much more about our customers, right? If we take the 25% that don't have this feature, I know exactly who they are. And I know exactly what we want them to do. And I do campaigns and we see what's happened and we can come back and do it where, you know, our database, we know personas and we have revenue size. And we want to get them the mid market, you know, owner of whatever department. Um, and then you have a sales team that's doing it too. Right. There's a lot of coordination between that and, and getting people inbound from content. Maybe they get a BDO or maybe they get a sales person. Maybe they're back into our team. So that is much more complex than, than what a sales organization, I mean, a company organization could look like.
0: We've gone through quite a bit here, Hunter. And if, If there was like a single takeaway that you wanted people to have from our conversation here, boil it down into a single takeaway, what would that be?
1: I mean, I I just never get soft on metrics, right? Metrics and data that drives one and you let, you know, if it's working or not, um, it helps drive getting budget right with your, from your CFO or CEO, um, you know, it is, and I, and it's probably... The, the obvious state, but it's, it's, it's really important. And even at the content level, right? Like we do lots of webinars. We do, we do a lot of reports like that study. We do other events. We try to do different personas. And then we try to see volume is great, but if volume doesn't drive any sort of outcomes that you want and blog like that, the blog that I mentioned earlier, right? You need to attach it to some sort of outcome. And we've had some is like a like an equation that did, you know, per value per person, meaning, you know, attach wins to a content piece and, you know, took it to the sales team. You know, we have a new tool that tracks what they send out and what people reply to. And then do they become closed one deals? Like, so it's connecting all those little dots. So You know, what is resonating with, with the prospect and the customer, right? Um, do more of that and what's not working, do less of that. So, so metrics, always it, they dig into the data, it, it's there, if you can, if you can just pull it all together.
0: Well, if there were additional questions that people had, wouldn't it be okay if we provided a link to your profile on LinkedIn? Of course, of course. Happy to, happy to talk to anybody. All right. Well, Hunter, thank you very much for coming on and sharing all these insights and just the focus on thought leadership and the focus on you know, customer marketing. uh, I think just reemphasizing that has been tremendously insightful here. So thank you. Really appreciate appreciate it. it. Really appreciate it. I enjoyed it. Thank you very much.